I'm Megan Hale, and you're listening to The Enoughness Revolution, a feel-good podcast on creating joy in life, work, and love. Join me every Monday and Thursday for practical tools that speak to the soul to create a life you love. It's Transformational Thursday, friends, and today's episode is actually part of a pleasure series I have been putting together. And I still have several more interviews to record to complete the series, and I want to probably release it sometime over the summer. But today's interview is just so powerful. I've been sitting on it for a couple of months, and there's just so much juicy content in this conversation that I wanted to go ahead and release it now and give it a re-release this summer. So just keep in mind, this is going to be coming out as part of a full series later on this summer, which I'm going to kind of call the pleasure series. and. This conversation is powerful. This brought up a lot of stuff to the surface for me. I had some major ahas talking to today's guest, so much so that I decided to join her for a group coaching program this summer to really tease apart this intersection between sexuality and spirituality and find more freedom here. You know, my whole life journey has been about creating more freedom for myself to tap into my wildness and to bring a level of sacredness to every area of my life. And one of the things that really came up for me in 2016 was a lot of the ways that our culture still polices women's sexuality and the ways I was still playing small because of that. So this really kind of started this own personal journey of mine to really understand the intersection between, you know, spirituality and sexuality and how we can find more freedom here. So I'm really pumped to share today's episode with you. I hope that you have some major ahas just like I did. And you're like, what? I need to do some teasing apart with this stuff because it is so powerful in the way that we show up in the world, the way we use our voices. Uh, So much stuff is here. So today I'm talking to the lovely Stina Marie, who is a spiritual channel and high priestess healer, who's a mystical woman on a mission to unleash women from the overwhelm of religious dogma, sexual shame, and past emotional baggage to resurrect their divine pelvic power and connection to spirit so they can harness the full potential of their orgasmic, divine, feminine power and healing gifts in their lives, relationships, and work. Her unique blend of emotional alchemy, energy healing, embodiment, psychic channeling, and soul work creates a sacred space for her clients to shift out of victimhood, turn on their inner high priestess, and reign in their glory. Stina's journey from good little girl to embodied, pleasure-filled high priestess required a deep release of fear, shame, perfectionism, and self-sabotage patterns that allowed her to radically own her power and truth. She has done begging external authorities and religious institutions to validate her healing gifts and purpose when she decided to go all in and rise into her calling as a deeply intuitive, Jesus-loving, mystical leader. On our healing path through motherhood, marriage, and entrepreneurship, Sina has learned the art of sacred, aligned, sexy success on her own terms, which she now teaches in her own work. You guys, get ready because we're going on a journey and it's going to be such a good, juicy conversation. Okay, so without further ado, here is the lovely Sina. Welcome back to the Pleasure Series on the Enoughness Revolution, everybody. I am so excited to be talking to my next guest, 
Christina Marie. We have had some amazing conversations in the past, so I am really delighted to have you on today. Thanks for joining me, girlfriend. Thank you so much for having me. Oh, you're so welcome. So, ah, pleasure. <laughs> this is a kind of a big topic for a lot of us as women. I think there's a lot of negative connotations to it. And it's been, I mean, I'm still in the middle of this journey of really reclaiming this concept for myself. And based on prior conversations, I think we've had some similar experiences of having a religious influence on what pleasure means, what's allowed, what's permissible. So what I would like to start, where I would like to start, is just kind of hearing a little bit from you of you know, how pleasure interacts with you in your life now and some of the journey to getting there. Mm. Yeah, so I really have come into my sexuality and pleasure just as, as it pertains to my partnership, but then also finding myself within that. So for me, I was married really young. So I was engaged at 18 and married at 19. And I was still a virgin on my wedding night. So I didn't have like a lot of experience before that other than experiences that just felt shameful. So yeah. whether it was like, kind of fooling around with a boyfriend and my parents didn't know about that. And, you know, there was just a lot of things that I didn't really know or understand. And that was about pleasure. That was about, um, just like menstruation, even in my body mm -hmm. and what it meant to be a woman. And, you know, at a, at a young age, like I didn't even know what like an orgasm was. Mm -hmm. I didn't know that there was like a point. It was just like, maybe it kind of felt good, but it was like, it eluded me. So um, getting married young, like I feel like that gave me this like safe container in my life to explore my sexuality. Mm -hmm. And at the same time though, you also realize that even though you're now in this like sanctioned by, you know, the church kind of like thing that that doesn't fix all your problems either. Right. <laughs> so it's like, you know, you can experiment with your partner and you can play more, but then there's still these like deep seated beliefs about my body is dirty or pleasure isn't really okay, or it's not okay for me to like want something and ask for it. Mm. So, and that spills over from our sexuality to every area of our life, right? Where yeah. if we can't clearly communicate our desires, then we will never get what we want. <laughs> and it's yeah. not our, it's not our partner's job to like read our mind and, it's our job to like really take full ownership of our capacity to experience pleasure, our capacity to be like really creative and playful in that. And for me, that's meant like looking at how I feel about touching my own body. Like mm -hmm. that's a huge area of shame that most of us can't even utter like the word. We're like, can I say masturbation? <laughs> like, I just, I don't think, I, you know, it's just like, ah, and we think of it as like this dirty thing or it's like only for men. Mm -hmm. like, oh, men do that. Right. But like women don't. Mm -hmm. you know? And so I think we're just starting to have some of these conversations about what it means to be embodied in our pleasure with or without a partner. Yeah. And how, how we can experience that through sexuality and then through sensuality, which is, you know, a little bit different. And then how we just like, how we can tap into that energy and channel it into our lives, into our business, 
And like, I see how it changes me as a mom. It changes me as a friend. And you just, when you can release those, those inhibitions, right. And like kind of the hidingness, then you come out in this kind of like fierce, sassy, like, I don't give a fuck energy where it's like, you're so grounded in your body and you're so just like into yourself. (laughs) Yes. I am amazing. I, you know, I'm enough. I am like full of all this orgasmic energy and you can just like unleash that into the world. It's, it's a fun, it's just so much fun to explore that. Yeah, no, I totally agree. And I think that there's something to be said about owning this piece of ourselves, because I feel like for a lot, I mean, at least the culture that I was raised in, there was a lot of policing or feeling like I didn't have complete ownership of my body because I was always trying to follow some rules that other people had put on me. So mm-hmm. to even reclaim sexuality and not feel shame about it. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, I'm still in that process of there's still layers that I'm still unraveling of what were the messages I was taught about my sexuality, about what it meant to be a woman and Mm -hmm. how many am I still subscribing to? Because I think so many of them are part of just subconscious behavior and reclaiming those pieces of myself because it is so important and feeling vibrant and whole and alive and embodied in our power. Mm -hmm. And there's so much power in our sexuality. That's why it's been policed for so long. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. I feel like for me, there was also a big journey around like modesty, mm-hmm. which was part of my sexuality. So it was like, you know, don't show whatever. Like I don't have boobs to fall out of a top, but I was still <laughs> like so concerned that like it was, my top was too low or, yes. you know, and it's like, we all need to find our like happy place with like what we're wearing. It's, there's no rules one way or the other. It's not like you should cover it or you shouldn't cover it or whatever, but it's just that feeling of, I'm so worried about how someone else is going to feel about my body. And we have these like beliefs that whether you are, you know, a Christian or going to church or part of a religion or not, they're kind of cultural still where it's like women are, kind of these temptresses in like a really negative way. And, you know, if you show off part of your body, it means something about you. So I don't know if you saw recently, um, Emma Watson had these like gorgeous pictures taken and she had quite a lot of cleavage in the pictures and people were like, you can't be a feminist and have cleavage, you Mm -hmm. know? Um, And she, as she put it, you can't be a feminist and have boobs, which was hilarious. (laughs) And so, you know, there's just all of these like rules about what it means for us, mm-hmm. like have a womanly body and just show up in a womanly body. And I really think that we can reclaim the power of magnetism and allure and like that seductive energy in such a positive way. And it's, it's not for anyone else. Like, it's not like I'm being seductive so that I can you know, arouse some stranger. Like, it's just like, right. That's, that's what we're afraid of when we're like, I can't wear the bikini at the beach. I will make someone stumble. Like it's like like fear. And it's like, girl, go play, go swim. Like stop worrying about all the, you know, the rules. It's, I'm really glad that you brought this piece off, especially about Emma, because when I, I saw that article 
And I'm like, here we are having a woman who's owning her sexuality and now she's being condemned because she, people are thinking that she's sexualizing herself, which is the opposite of what people think feminism is, right? Mm. And it's like, where is there a space in our culture for a woman to own the beauty of her body without mm. feeling like she's sexualizing herself? <laughs> and we have to have room to just be who we are. And for sexual, sexualizing herself to be a bad thing or to right. mean that she's out of control. So Ooh, there's, really, so good. <laughs> there's a really interesting, um, I, like system around this where we think if something is sexual, it means that it's putting other people out of control. Mm -hmm. so I'll unpack that a little bit more. Um, as far as a woman being like a temptation to a man, that's assuming that he like cannot control himself. Yeah. Right. And another area that this comes up and you might um, be able to relate to this is in breastfeeding. Mm -hmm. So there's this whole debate in the mothering community of, you know, should women cover when they're breastfeeding or not? And with my son, my first, I like had this like massive tube of cloth that I wrapped myself in every time. <laughs> Nobody was seeing anything. Meanwhile, I'm like suffocating and sweating to death underneath. And with my daughter, you know, a couple of years later, I was like, screw it. You know, honestly, it don't look like yeah. totally different. You know, it's totally different the second time around. But what I realized was that people were saying, oh, well, Breastfeeding isn't sexual, so it's okay for everyone to see it. Mm -hmm. And that's actually completely untrue. Mm. Because if you think about the intimacy in breastfeeding, and it's like your breast is literally inside of your child's mouth, you're exchanging bodily fluids, it's completely sexual. Like it's, but it's not perverted, it's not wrong. Like it's sacred and it's beautiful and it's holy. Mm -hmm. And it can be honored and like we can give it so much reverence. Yeah. for its life-giving force. So that's what we actually have in our sexuality as well, is this like unstoppable life force. And it's like we bring that like beautiful, creative, birthy, seductive energy. And it's like we can be in that without expecting anyone else to react or expecting anyone else to do anything about it or expecting anything in return. So it's not like we're being sexual so we can get attention mm -hmm. or being sexual so we can get a man. It's like, we're being sexual because we are sexual creatures. That's like the core of our, of how we got here. Like we're all, we're all walking around on this earth because some man had an orgasm. That's why we're here. <laughs> the woman may or may not have, but the man definitely did. And that's like why we're here. So that's that's life force that's that creative force and it's when we come into it from an empowered stance it freaks other people out because we've learned that it's something that is out of it's like so out of control yeah. if you're being sexual you must just be like i don't know throwing yourself at people or something and that's totally not what it is yeah i think for me and this is interesting because from a very young age I remember getting messages of cover up, cover up. Mm. And like, even in grade school, like if you had like a little tank top strap hanging out that you are now distracting attention from boys. Right. Mm -hmm. And it's always been the woman's job to not make, like to ensure that men don't lose their minds yeah. as if we have <laughs> this kind of power and it totally shifts any responsibility away from men. Mm -hmm. And so now as a mom and talking about breastfeeding, 
there is still this message of you need to cover up, you need to cover up. And I don't, uh, like for me personally, breastfeeding doesn't really feel sexual as much as it feels just natural. Like I'm giving my child life, but this is also from an organ that has been so sexualized. And so it's like, I'm scared of somebody seeing, you know, my areola or Mm -hmm. my nipple, even though it's like doing nothing wrong or bad or dirty. But there, there's a lot of conflicting messages about that of like feeling like I need to cover up because I don't want to make anybody uncomfortable Mm -hmm. while doing something that is completely natural and and like non-sexual in nature, you know? So the interesting thing about this whole message of cover up for me is that if I'm feeling like I need to cover up my body, what that is sh- was kind of subconsciously telling me is don't draw too much attention to yourself. Mm-hmm. And the way that this impacts other areas of my life is don't be too loud. Don't be too big. Don't be mm-hmm. too opinionated. Don't use your voice. Mm-hmm. I know that there's a correlation here. And that's been one of the biggest desires for me to unravel all of this and to reclaim this concept of sexual pleasure or even my sexuality, because I know that there is a bridge between this piece and the way that I show up in the rest of my life. Yes, 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 yes. (laughs) (laughs) Yes to it all. Um, That's what I, I mean, I find this over and over again in my work with women in like unpacking emotional baggage and the subconscious stuff and all of this, you know, trauma and beliefs that we're carrying with us that inform how we show up and how we speak and all of, you know, everything that you mentioned. And it is hugely affecting, especially like if you're running an online business and you Mm -hmm. need to get that video. Yeah. Visibility. (laughs) Yeah. And so if, if we have these beliefs that, you know, if I show up, I'm going to be ostracized, I'm going to be criticized, I'm going to be slandered, I'm going to be shamed, like, that's really freaking scary. Yeah. Right. And um, energetically, there's so many connections between our throat energy. So like the throat chakra energy and the root and sacral energy. And there are different ways that our sacral energy and our, you know, our womb and our pussy energy is tied to our heart, which Mm. is all about giving and receiving. So there's all these ways that, that, that energy is supposed to flow and is intended to flow. But a lot of times what we've done is like, we've just literally cut ourselves like in half Yeah. And it's like the bottom part is just numb. We just don't want to feel any of it. So we don't want to feel the shame and we don't want to feel the rejection and we don't want to feel the oppression. And so we just cut it off. And what that does is it keeps us from feeling really grounded. Mm -hmm. Like we've talked about that embodied feeling and it keeps us like looking outside of ourselves for that. So we're like looking for somebody else to say, you're safe. Yeah. Okay. Yes. Yeah. You can speak up. You know, you're supported. Um, all of that comes from that lower energy in our body. And so when we're not having it in ourselves and we're not connected to it, we're constantly going around saying, will you please tell me that I'm worthy? Will you please tell me that I deserve this? Will you please tell me that it's okay? Like, like somebody tell me, but even if someone does, it doesn't. You're like, are you sure? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You still don't believe them. You're like, uh, I just, I don't know. 
I don't know. Like we keep on asking other people for validation and they keep on saying, yeah, it's okay. We're like, eh, I, don't, I don't know. I just don't know if that's true. Mm-hmm. So, you know, it's, and it puts us in an interesting position because we're, we are looking outside of ourselves. I, I will speak for myself. I know that I have that pattern of looking outside of myself for somebody to tell me it's okay. You have permission. This is allowed. This is permissible. You're needed, <laughs> but it will never be enough to really shift like the piece that needs to shift within me. Like that disconnect that you're talking about between our lower half and our upper half. I've lived that for the majority of my life of trying to keep everything contained. So I don't come across as get this too much. That's heavy. It's heavy to walk through the world trying to water yourself down so you don't ruffle any feathers or upset anybody or make somebody uncomfortable. Mm. <sighs> yeah, that's, there's a lot of emotion there. <laughs> mm-hmm. I'm sure that your listeners too can just feel that when we think about all of the times that we've held our tongue. You know, every time we like bit back something because how are they going to feel about that? Is it going to offend somebody? And, and actually what we do is we energetically, we tie ourselves to other people. It's like we have all these cords that are like we're latched on to other people because we haven't found that place within ourselves. And for me, that's also connecting to the divine and the divine within me and that holiness, Mm. the wholeness, (laughs) right? And, you know, when we look at who am I, who am I giving my power away to? Because when we say that I'm afraid I'm going to be too much, or I'm afraid I'm going to offend someone, what we've done is we've said, you make this decision for me. Yeah. And so that's, you know, we've given our power to that person And then we're just always in this like waiting game of their approval. And we can do this with, um, we can have this patterns with like ex lovers from our past, have it with family members, we can have it with our current partner, you know, anybody in our lives who we have kind of put on that pedestal. Yes. And it, it is scary as all get out to say, I have to cut that. I have to cut that cord. I have to let that go. And I actually have to own this. Mm-hmm. And that is a really powerful practice of setting boundaries for ourselves that are like really sacred and that are about our wholeness. It's not a boundary about like I'm putting up a wall or, you know, it's limiting, but it's this reverence for ourselves to say, I can't do that anymore. Right. And a lot of times we think the other person is feeding into it. Like we make up a lot of stories in our heads. Oh, so yes, like, I do. <laughs> well, what do they think about it? And like, well, I think, you know, for me, I'll just give you this example that's been super pertinent for me is like, I have, you know, stepped into, I'm intuitive. I'm psychic. I am like, woo woo. I am this priestess energy. I am, you know, this and this and really stepping into that spirituality, but then also still bringing with me this, like, I love Jesus. I love the Holy Spirit. I love God. I'm totally like down with that. Yes. But I can't stay in the box anymore. Like I can't 
I probably was never actually in the back. So I just convinced myself that's where I was supposed to be. Right. Um, and I can't do it anymore. And so it's really scary because what are all the people going to think? What are all the family members going to think who still, you know, subscribe to this particular label or religion? Yeah. What are they going to think? And, you know, for, I've feared that for years, years mm-hmm. of going, okay, take the next step to, you know, to unveil yourself, take the next step to unveil yourself. And it gets to a point where like, you feel that kind of last thread hanging on and it's like, what am I going to do? Yeah. Let that go. And I've had this happen over the last month, cutting cords, letting go saying, you know what? If that person is not the person I'm here on this earth to serve, right? Like I'm called to serve hundreds and thousands of women in the world. And I'm called to share my story and my gifts with them. And for me to let this one person stop me from that is so dishonoring to myself. Mm -hmm. And it's so just like, it's heaping on more shame. It's heaping on more disconnection. And it's saying, you know, this person's actually more important than all of that. This person's more important than the calling on your life. This person's more important than your expression, your creativity. And so to let that go was like major, 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 you know, deep work. It was energy work. It was like all these different things, past lives and emotional release and all of that. And what happened after was like all of a sudden, after like not talking to this person for very long, they came back to me and were like, it was like they were going, wait, I felt that you cut that off. <laughs> and like, you know, where are you now? And then it was a test of me standing in my power mm-hmm. to say, I'm not going down that road. Yes. I love you and I respect you and we still have a relationship, but I am not going down that road again. And that takes so much courage. And I think we can only do it when we, like we own it in ourselves, but then at the same time we have support, like truly support, not people that we are deferring our power to, but a sisterhood, a mentor, people who are like standing there and saying like, I am here for you. Yeah. You know, you will not be completely alone and rejected. (laughs) Yeah, no, absolutely. I am here for you. And that, that is the energy that I work to cultivate for myself because otherwise we get in, we just feel lost. It's like, like you said, where are we supposed to go to talk about these things? Where are we supposed to go to have like really honest conversations about our sexuality or even like kind of like audacious and like almost obscene conversations about our sexuality because there's some nitty gritty stuff that we are not talking about. Yeah. (laughs) So it's, yeah, it's, that's the key, I think, to being able to create that. Yeah. And I think so much is going through my mind right now, especially when we talk about really letting our experience of ourselves be the most important thing. It's more important than other people's experiences of who we are. Mm. The way that we give pieces of ourselves away when we do that will eventually start to, it, it's insulting to our soul, first of all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and anytime we are consciously or unconsciously insulting ourselves, it's so incredibly hard to show up in your purpose, 
to walk authentically, to feel good about the woman that you're becoming because you're acutely aware that there's this piece of you that isn't being brave and it's being afraid. And I think Mm -hmm. that's the thing that comes up for me the most is that I'm so acutely aware of when I'm letting somebody else's experience of me be more important than my own. And knowing what steps I need to take in order to shift that. Mm. So I want to get into this first tip with you because I think that this is very integral (laughs) to doing that. And your first tip for really experiencing more pleasure is to own our pelvic power so we can receive more joy. So I would love to dive in there with you and how this relates. Mm. Yes. So the power of our pelvic or our pelvic power, however mm-hmm. you want to say that, um, is really the power to receive. So as women, like if we just look at the anatomy of a woman, like the physical anatomy, that we are created with literally a vessel for life. Yeah. And we have these beautiful cycles, right, where we ovulate and we release an egg and there's opportunity for us to become pregnant and we usually don't like for the majority of any of our cycles we don't right but yet our body goes through that preparation every every month and it's this really beautiful process of receptivity Mm. and I think that we can embody that energy in so many different ways but just to contrast that like men are fertile every day of the week every hour of the day yeah. And every time they have an orgasm, there's some thousands or even millions of sperm that, you know, are ejaculated from their body. And it's like a completely different expression of energy. Yeah. And so the woman is really this, we have this ability of, or this essence of oneness. Mm. So it's one egg at a time, yeah. <laughs> unless there happen to be twins. It's one egg at a time. <laughs> like this really this focused energy and this deeply receptive energy and it's also a non-gendered energy Mm. so the male determines the gender yeah as women it's like we literally have this like pure divine essence within us Mm. and so it's just it's so beautiful to come into our bodies and to appreciate our fertility, even if we don't want to have kids, this fertility and this fertile energy. And the, there's a different nuanced energy too of our ovaries, mm-hmm. of our fallopian tubes, of you know the vaginal canal, of your vulva, of your inner thighs. Like there's so many different places. And we, we will hold trauma and emotional energy in those places. Mm. So if you just imagine like, Um, I know that this has happened to me in the past and I've done lots of work around this, but if my husband was like going to touch, you know, my leg or my inner thigh and you, you tense up, Mm -hmm. there's trauma there. There's a memory of something that happened that you didn't want to happen. Yeah. And it, maybe it was or wasn't violent, but you didn't understand it. You didn't want it. And it doesn't necessarily have to be sexual in nature either. Yeah, exactly. So anytime we have that, like, that we hold our breath, we tense up our, you know, our body. And so that will kind of just create this like cluttered feeling, right? Mm. Where it's like, it's kind of murky. And when you 
start to release and clear out that murkiness and come into that power, it's like you open up that space yeah. and you can actually receive pleasure. And, you know, as you were talking earlier too, I think a distinction we could maybe make is erotic pleasure mm-hmm. and sexual pleasure. Mm-hmm. So there is sexual and, and sensual pleasure in eating cheesecake. Yes. I like a luscious <laughs> bar of chocolate. Um, you know, there, we can even like invoke that sexual pleasure in our bodies to, you know, get ourselves inspired. Or even like if you are dancing, you know, or working out, you feel that kind of high. Yeah. That's kind of that sexual energy. Um, and then erotic energy, I would just go like, that's maybe another step further, right? Yeah. So yeah, really being able to receive for me is like, you're listening you're listening to your body. You're noticing when you tense and when you pull away. You're asking like questions. You're opening yourself up and really allowing yourself to step out of victimhood. Mm. It's like deep. Mm. What, are, what are some ways that you have reconnected with your pelvic power? Mm. So a lot that I have done was healing around my kids' births. Like yeah. that was a huge turning point for me mm-hmm. because you can't really ignore it. Like when there's a baby growing in your giant uterus and yeah. <laughs> baby comes out of your body, um, you, you can't ignore that. And so it's kind of like face to face, right? So we kind of all have our own face to face moments where we go, Oh my gosh, I've been totally disconnected. I've been totally. Mm-hmm. Ignoring that. And so for me, it was looking at generational patterns around birth. So if, um, you know, your mom had a traumatic birth or C-section and actually looking at those and doing like forgiveness release around those and writing letters to those women, writing letters to the doctors who I felt like wronged me in my birth, like a Mm. lot of of shame and resentment around that. Um, Letters that I didn't send, by the way. Um, And writing letters to myself from people that I felt wrong by. So like a letter from my midwife to me, the thing that she should have said, this is what she mm-hmm, should have mm-hmm. you know? And giving that to myself because I knew that that was the truth. That's why I wanted her to say it. I wanted her to speak truth over me. Wow. So we can do that. You know, you can use that with ex lovers or boyfriends. Like maybe the breakup was really traumatic or there was, um, you know, I was 14 and I had an 18 year old boyfriend. So probably enough said on that, but that it was just a really confusing time for me because I was coming into my body as a young girl, you know, kind of, am I a young girl? And then to have this like kind of confusing physical relationship where I don't know what I want. You know, it was just like this really strange place. And so doing like really deep forgiveness work around that. Because I truly, I mean, then when I was 18, my perspective was totally different. Oh, yeah. I thought, wow, I was dating an 18-year-old boy. (laughs) That was not a good idea. Which is like like two totally different maturity levels, by the way. Like even though girls mature much faster than boys, like at 14, there's so much going on for us Mm -hmm. as women. I mean, really like coming into your body, like literally you are (laughs) coming into your body as a woman. Yes. Yeah. You know, as you're, as you're talking about all this, um, and I know like 
If you're listening to this podcast and you haven't listened to episode 75, uh, that's where I share my birth story with my son. And it was a very traumatic experience for me, not because of me feeling wronged by anyone or anything really. It's just, I felt almost like my body betrayed me in a way because I had a very severe hemorrhage like to the point where the first six to eight hours of my son being in the world, I don't recall anything besides the grave look of concern on my husband's face. Like he literally thought I was going to die. And I remember the beeping of the heart rate monitor and knowing that my heart rate was steady at 180 beats per minute. That, and that was not normal. And it was, it was a scary time. But even though I wasn't like consciously aware, my body knows. Yeah. And looking back, like these letters, like just something that's coming up for me. The reason I hemorrhaged is because I had a fibroid tumor removed from my uterus um, back when I was 23. Mm-hmm. And I have stories I've created mm-hmm. based on sexual shame as to why this fibroid tumor existed in the first place, mm-hmm. which is completely absurd. <laughs> sexual activity has no influence on a fibroid tumor growing. Like I know that now, but there's, there was still a connection that I made back then. So healing that trauma, that's something that's like totally coming up for me as you're mentioning this, that this is like, I, I'm still disconnected. Like I haven't processed the traumatic birth. First of all, I know that it happened, but it's still in my body. And I don't know if I've really grieved that. And also the reason why I hemorrhaged in the first place, there's forgiveness work that needs to be done there. So I'm so glad that you, you brought that up because it gives me a direction for some of my personal work. Yeah. You mentioned grief too. And that is something that is so, so huge. Um, That's an energy that we also hold in our pelvic bowl Mm. and the culture. We have no freaking clue how to grieve. We're like, we're clueless. I know. Pack it up and move on. Yeah. Yeah. Get over it. At least you have a healthy baby. Yeah. At least, at least you're still living. Yeah. At least whatever. It's like, no, I'm not here to live an at least life. (laughs) (laughs) Let's write that down, please. I'm not here to live an at least life. Thank you. Yes. (laughs) Um, And so when I, you know, when I had my son or when, you know, you go through these experiences, like you said, your body holds it even if you emotional, like even if consciously you think, Oh, I've dealt with that. Mm-hmm. Um, this comes up with women who've had abortions where they mm-hmm. consciously entered the process. They knew that it was the best choice for them, but then I'll do a session where I don't know that they've even had this experience and it, it will come up in the session and they're like, they just burst into tears. Mm-hmm. And it's because your body remembers your body can be traumatized even when your, you know, conscious reality is okay. Right. And, and it's, it's complicated. Like our pelvic energy is complicated because it holds all of this at the same time. Yeah. It holds the grief and it holds the, you know, the weightiness and the sadness, but it also holds pleasure and ecstasy and orgasm and it, it doesn't find it contradictory. We find it contradictory, mm-hmm. but it doesn't. So that's why a lot of times when we come into like working with, like if you, 
start to work with like self-pleasuring or even massaging like within your vagina, not just Mm -hmm. like back massage, like internal massage. And you start to release some of the physical trauma. Um, or if your partner is, you know, getting into like deep into your, um, like around your cervix or G spot and that kind of thing. And you're having those deeper orgasms. Mm -hmm. Women will just burst into tears then too. And it's the same kind of like, it's the release. It's like, you've created a safe space. You have, you know, gone there. You have finally gone there and your body is just like, whoo, like, let's just let some of that go. Absolutely. Grief is a huge one. Rage is another huge one. Mm. Grief, rage, um, because those are things that we don't have outlets for in our life. Yeah. Like when's the last time, you know, we felt truly safe to be enraged about something and do mm. nothing about it. Like mm. rage doesn't require action. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because today oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I've been feeling this buildup for the past few weeks and just, you know, a layer of stress here and another layer here. And it's, it's been packing on and I've been aware of it and I've been leaning on my self-help tools, you know, of like of releasing and breathing and focusing on positivity and putting it in perspective and all of the tools that I teach and I've been utilizing them. But today I just hit that max of where it's been 15 days of feeling so out of control of being able to help my son who feels inconsolable because he's in pain and he's teething and there's there's stressors for my husband's job that's coming into the house and there's my business stuff that's going on and all of this stuff and getting to this place where I literally just wanted to scream, what the fuck? Like <laughs> frustrated as hell, you know, and quickly wanting to pack it all back in because I didn't want to be out of control. Being out of control with my emotions, with rage, with anger, with frustration is not okay. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, a lot of the stuff that we get from the spiritual world or even a self-help world only enforces that. There is still not a space for us to be angry as women, to experience that full range of rage and frustration and feeling out of control and letting ourselves be that way. And it is so incredibly hard for me to give myself permission to do that and to go around my house screaming, what the fuck, if that's what I want to do and being okay about it. You know what I mean? Yes. Yeah. It's a very raw energy. Yes. A heat energy. So like rage is this heat energy. And so is I'm hot right now. I'm just talking. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and so it brings up all of that passionate energy. Yes. And I think that where we get caught is we feel like, and this has been coming up for me and I'm learning this on a whole other level of my emotions are not my truth. Mm-hmm. Okay. And what I mean by that is I can have an emotional experience. I can allow emotion to move through me. I can be aware and like honoring it, but it doesn't have to like inform my choices. It doesn't have to inform how I'm going to then act on what I'm feeling. So, and when we, when we don't do that, like I'm the kind of person, like, let's just for instance, say like when you're having like a moment of like sexual resistance with a partner or you're like emotionally or just like checked out or in another place, or maybe you have something going on that's not even at the surface. And that's what it usually is for me. 
And it's like, my poor dear husband, like he and I are very connected intimately. And like, we have a great sex life. Mm -hmm. I'll be damned if he's going to get me out of that funk. (laughs) So like, I think it was just like last week I was up, like, I just was like, I can't sleep after, you know, one of these like emotional episodes, can't sleep. I get up, I was up for like two hours doing a whole lot of nothing, but the emotion, like I could acknowledge what it was about. I wrote, you know, wrote it out, sent the text I needed to send, whatever it was. And I allowed it to move through. Mm -hmm. But in that I was thinking, this is a temporary experience. Like I am not going to be sexually shut down for the rest of my life. We tend to go in like drama mode where you're like, Oh my God, we're never going to have good sex again. You're like, (laughs) girlfriend, like it's gonna be okay. You know, or like if we're rageful, we think like, I'm going to turn into this angry monster of a woman. Yeah. Like that's not true. Or like if we grieve that it means like, I'm just going to be depressed forever. Like we have this, like, it's like the melodramatic (laughs) teenager in our brain. And seriously, like I totally go there too. But like one of the things that's coming up for me is like if I'm shut off from experiencing like of opening the floodgates for my emotions, like it, the ones that I feel like should be, you know, contained, like the rage, the frustration, the anger, the hitting my limit, right? Which is all very real stuff. You're only human. Mm-hmm. But if I'm cutting that off, how cut off am I from all of the other good stuff? So even mm-hmm. if I am having orgasms with my husband, how much better could my orgasms be if I could open the floodgates over in this area, right? Yes. I think there's a connection. Yes, absolutely. Because we, like, we really can't cut off only the bad. (laughs) Yeah. It's not optional. And I mean, that's a reoccurring theme, I think, in our conversation is that cut off, where Mm -hmm. it's like, when we're cut off, it's like, we've talked about, you know, being cut off from pleasure, but then being cut off from these like more intense emotions and the, you know, the frustrations and the resentments and the rage and the grief and the resistance and all of that, that's also there. Yeah. And so if we want to go like deep into our pleasure and we want to be like, how amazing could this be? Then we have to be willing to like take it all the way with whatever else might be there too. I and agree. So it's a journey and a cycle because maybe you have like a few days of like totally like ecstasy, joy, like amazingness. And then like, boom, you're hit with like this massive wave of grief. Mm-hmm. And you know, that could also something else that can come up is baby fever. Like maybe you're like, I'm done having kids. This is, I'm like the most ridiculous all over the place person. Like, like, I can never have another child. Two is definitely enough, you know? And then all of a sudden I'll just be like bawling my eyes out because I want another baby. And uh-huh. it's like, Oh my goodness. So it's just all of that can come up, but then it's like, well, just because that happened doesn't mean I need to like reevaluate my life and try and have another child right now. Right. I can honor that feeling and I can say like, I acknowledge that's there. I acknowledge that's part of me and we'll see, you know, and it's just, again, awareness, letting it move through you, letting it come up. Um, Because otherwise we just create more tension and more like holding and it gets stored up in all these places in our body. It gets stored up in our 
in our pelvic bowl, in our, um, you know, our uterus. And you mentioned something about um, the the uterine fib- fibroid tumor. Mm-hmm, Is that what mm-hmm. you And when you said, I had all these stories about why it was there. And I was thinking there are a lot of times when we have like cysts or tumors or um, endometriosis and all of those things that actually stem from shame. Yeah. You know, that actually come from not, not because we did something wrong, but because there's all this stuff that we have to hold in there. Yeah. We can't let it out. And I so, do not doubt that in the least bit at yeah. all. And so, so it's, it's a combination of exploring the physical and the emotional in that space. Absolutely. And one thing that I want all of our listeners to know, you know, when you were talking about the internal massage of mm-hmm. kind of healing your pelvic bowl, that's actually custom in a lot of other cultures after birth. And there's a book that I read, it's called Mothering from Your Center, which mm. talks all about um, how we actually heal the pelvis after birth. And a lot of it does involve internal massage by a professional. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. Just because our body goes through so much through the birthing process. And that's something that's totally overlooked in our culture. So I just wanted to mm-hmm. kind of mention that to all of our listeners. If you are listening to Stina and you're like, say what? <laughs> it's a totally a normal thing for a lot of other cultures, even though it seems kind of odd for ours. Yeah. And um, so that book is by Tammy Lynn Kent. And she Mm -hmm. also wrote Wild Wild Feminine, which goes into that work a little bit deeper. And it's not as motherhood focused. Mm -hmm. Um, If anybody's looking like, I'm not a mom. Oh, good. Um, And also, as far as external massage for the uterus, Maya Mm -hmm. abdominal massage, Maya Arvigo abdominal massage. Okay. Um, You can go to their website and find practitioners for that. They're a little bit more common than the internal um, massage practitioners, but it's all like, I recommend it all um, because they're beautiful. It's beautiful for us to get to know our bodies on that level. Absolutely. It's all, it's like a deeper level of self-care. It's not just like, check it. I got the pedicure. I got the bath going on. It's like really, really deeply, deeply loving our bodies and exploring our bodies mm-hmm. like with as much shame as my three-year-old has, which is none. <laughs> right. <laughs> There's a purity about that. And I think yeah. it's, um, you know, it's, it's my quest to, I don't really think like return to that purity, but return to this shame-free exploration and ownership of sexuality and pleasure and my body and being mm-hmm. in my body. And what does that really mean? Because like this cutoff, I think is, is so incredibly important to heal mm-hmm. and to bridge because you're absolutely correct. And, and saying that there's a connection between like our creative energy and our mm-hmm. sexual energy and our throat, <laughs> how we're actually mm-hmm. using our voice and showing up in the world. And mm-hmm. I'm so glad that I had you on to talk about this because I think you come at it from a very unique perspective, a very holistic perspective and a very spiritual perspective. And mm-hmm. it's totally non-shaming. And it's just like, let's be women and let's talk about this stuff because it's real. Hello. <laughs> <laughs> it's the conversations everybody wants to like secretly a part of them wants to have. Yeah. We're just like, I mean, it's, yeah, there's just not the, not the place. Um, I was going to mention to, you know, you just mentioned again, like that throat connection and our throat is all about expression and voice. Mm 
Mm-hmm. And that's where we like ask for what we need. And so it's also like the desire part of that. Um, and our throat is like, it's the vibration we create with our body. It's like the one, you know, place in our body that we actually literally create vibration from, which is why our words are so important and why our, you know, our tone is important. Like, you know, you don't have older kids, but there's been times with my kids at, you know, four and six that I'll say something and they'll say, um, don't yell at me. And Mm. I said, I wasn't yelling at you, but they're like, they hear it as yelling because of the way I'm, I'm speaking. So there's so much power in our voice and that vibration. And even in birth, like I wail, I moaned like a whale (laughs) through my birth. And it's because it keeps you open and it keeps you in this like deeply like relaxed place Yeah. because you wouldn't moan deeply like that if you didn't feel safe, you couldn't. Um, And so it's really powerful for us to embrace that sound. And that's something that I um, teach. And I think we're going to share later on the free program that I have that I actually do some like deep belly laughing and and really tuning into that energy because most of us are not comfortable with that. And the cervix especially is even made out of like the same tissue as our throat, like the same bodily tissues. So there's so many cool um, ways that, that, that connects. It's like nourishment in our mouths nourishment in our bodies that way. Like we could go on forever. <laughs> oh, I love that. Well, let's, let's talk about that, that free gift. Yeah. So what would you like to share with the audience about what they might get access to? Yes. So, um, what we have or what I've created is this five day program. It is so freaking juicy. Like there's Ooh. no fluff. This is not just a like out. I'm not going to give you an outline. Um, but I actually go through a really deep healing ritual each day and walk you through how to use that. So there's a workbook where you can journal through like some questions about the emotions and the beliefs. Like, so on day one, we're going into the emotional alchemy, really releasing emotional blocks that are coming up. And then we go into like desire and really calling in that vision and connecting that pelvic energy. Um, I also share my uh, uterine energy map in there that has a beautiful little gold uterus, which nice. I think is just way fun. Um, <laughs> and, and so really tapping into that power. And, you know, the course is called On Fire Manifesting. And for me, manifesting is kind of that essence of creativity. Mm-hmm. But really, like the tools that are in this program, like you will be able to use for any, you know, anything. It doesn't have to be like, I need to manifest new clients, but it definitely can be. So that's the beautiful thing about being a woman, I think, is that we just like we flow with all these different areas, like our life and our business and motherhood. And so when we work on one area, when we work on our sexuality, it affects our spirituality and our relationships, our motherhood. And so this is really, um, my gift to really empower women to take these tools and to do their own like healing work to release some of that. There's also um, a forgiveness ritual in there as well. So it's just, it's really, really a beautiful process just to go through and um, just to kind of focus too. Cause I think sometimes we're like, where do I start? What do I do with all these emotions? Yeah. You know, and it's, it's a journey. It's a lifelong journey. Like where I'm at today was totally different than where I was at 
a year or two or three ago. Yeah. And that's beautiful and perfect. Yes. Um, but we just take the next step and mm. that's what it's all about. <laughs> I love that. I think I'm most definitely going to check this out, especially based on some of the things that came up in our conversation today. So thank you so much for being so generous. That's, yes. that's beautiful. So Stina, I'm going to put all of your social links down in the show notes so people can connect with you. I am so, so utterly grateful and honored that you came and shared your expertise and your wisdom with me today. I gained so much from it. I'm sure all of our listeners did as well. So just another thank you for being here with me. Yes. Thank you so much. And just for anybody listening, the link to the program is onfiremanifestation.com. Thank you so much. And you guys, we'll see you again soon for another episode on the Pleasure Series.